Alright, everybody, welcome to the September 5th edition of Cascading Views. I've got Dan and Chris with me here as usual this week. And, uh, well, we were already talking quite a bit before the show started, so we're just going to dive into that. We're starting to get the, the first inklings of how redistricting is going to go. There have been some proposed maps. Some states have already enacted maps. Um, all of those states are states that only have one district, so it's not that hard. <laughs> There's... Only so much you can do when you don't have to cut up the state. Go Vermont! <laughs> uh, Wyoming and the Dakotas have also finished. Uh, Alaska is almost there, as is Delaware. Those will become official shortly. That means Don Young will continue to be a representative, I suppose. Uh, we were, we were kind of zooming in on Montana, uh, because they did gain a seat. Uh, this year, and well, it's it, it's going to be kind of consequential because you can cut up Montana in such a way that the Democrats uh, have a very competitive district. In fact, would probably be favored if you cut it up just right. But I'm assuming yeah. Montana's state legislature is not such that that could happen. I, I, I mean, mean, it's kind of hard to cut the state such that. There's no competitive district, I would think. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there there are some ways. <laughs> there have been some Republicans from Montana proposing exactly that. Uh, yeah. there, there's no way you can split Montana without at least making the margin better in, in one of them, I guess. Montana's not a state that's averse to Democrats uh, in the same way that, you know, Wyoming is to the south of them or, or Idaho is to, to the west of them. They, they have a Democratic senator. They had a Democratic governor for ages. They, they, they're fairly competitive. It, it's not overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly Republican. So if you, if you were to cut it up such that the urban centers, or what they are in Montana, are together, you know, Missoula and Billings, you could pretty easily get a Democratic majority district in there. Uh, but if you split them up and split them up in just the right way, crack both of them a little bit, you do make it easier for the Republicans to, to keep both of those seats. Have you seen any, any proposals that would look good for them, I guess? I haven't. Yeah, I haven't yet. So, I mean, I would think... Hmm. Yeah, no, can't say that I have. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the ramifications for you know, you know, some of the you know relevant law in place, like um, in one of the issues, if they split things up too much, or potentially might be you know civil rights act implications because i mean there is a significant native population as well i mean but hmm, yeah i don't know so interesting to see in any case and then uh we have colorado uh which has released their redistricting maps um or at least their first proposals from the staff of the redistricting commission uh, one of the things I want to point out is a lot of people are saying the Denver district was, was gerrymandered or weird. That's actually just the shape of Denver. Um, uh, a, a 
a couple decades ago, they annexed uh, Denver International Airport, which is that big square blob up to the right of Denver. And then they also annex that little snake of land the, to get out there to connect to it uh, in order for them to have full control of the airport. That, that's literally just the shape of Denver. It looks weird as hell, I know. It, it's this long snake with two bulges at either end. No, dude, that's just what Denver looks like. Right. Uh, one of the interesting things about this is that it uh, would put Lauren uh, Bobert's home in the second district, which is not overwhelmingly Democratic, but a pretty solid Democratic district, uh, would likely mean her exit from the House. Uh, she would have to move if she wants to. Well, she doesn't have to move, but she has to run for a district that her, her home is not currently in. Which is the one literally just across the street, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Right, right, and that's a not a overwhelmingly Republican district. It's kind of a competitive district, mm -hmm. being of the third. So, yeah, definitely not the kind of fire breathing politics that she has been practicing. So, at least you know there's a there's a chance to well get her out, but it's also going to be a Democrat. Uh, we're Democratic president midterm, so <laughs> she could survive anyway. That'd be interesting to watch. I'm very curious yeah. about that. Uh, getting kind of local here, Oregon has uh, some preliminary maps up. One's released by the Democratic uh, Party, and one is released by the uh, Republican Party, and it... It, boy, is it two very different approaches. Yeah. To say uh, the least. Yeah, you've got a map that uh, basically crams the Republicans into, well, or just, I guess doesn't cram all the Republicans in one district, but makes it so they can only win in one district. And, mm. yeah, it's a... I... <sighs> Only win in a good year. I am a little bit worried um, yeah. that there are a couple districts there that, because uh, really only the first, the third, and I believe the sixth were going to be more than like 8% Democratic. The fourth and the fifth were going to be right. fairly close. I mean, still solidly Democratic, not a toss-up district, but one where I could see in a, a bad year in the midterms or whatnot, us losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I'm sorry, continue? No, yeah, go for it, yeah. Oh, uh, I was going to say, the the Republican map splits it up very differently. It crams Portland into two districts, keeps the the giant, you know, Eastern Oregon district, uh, so 2D, 1R, and then it splits up the Salem-Eugene I-5 corridor in a kind of vertical up-and-down fashion in order to create three completely you know, more or less within a handful of people split districts. Right. There's there's no way that happens. Yeah. I mean, the Democrats offered at least the Republicans some input into this process, but at the end of the day, it's a, what, it's a supermajority Democratic control still in the legislature, and you've got a Democratic governor. I mean, so it's a yeah. sort of supermajority. It's a super majority if uh, our ridiculous caucus rules are, are like, yeah, our quorum rules are allowed. 
the Republicans for three years running have fled the state or just shut things down. They don't like <laughs> extra so. points if they flee to Texas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess is that for us it's usually Idaho. Do? Yeah, <laughs> flee the state to you know deny quorum again on uh, passing a map. I, I mean, yes, they can do it. I don't know if they will, but. I mean, they've mm. shown any time there isn't something that they, or there's something that they don't like, <laughs> they do this. First, it was just for the carbon tax, and then they did it two years running for tax reasons. It, it's just dumb. Jeez. <coughs> oh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I when we were talking about redistricting months ago, I, one of the things I mentioned was you pull Bend out of the second in order to shore up the other districts. That is exactly what the Democrats are proposing. Yeah. Uh, the third district would run from eastern Portland down to Bend and encompass the city of Bend. Uh, that would be Blumenthal's new district. Um, it's it's I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's Bend is not overwhelmingly Democratic, but it is more Democratic than the rest of the second. You pull Bend out, that's over 100,000 people that you're removing from the second district. You can then pull in a lot of, of the fourth, which was a heavily split district. You can pull in a lot of those little towns into the second and get them out of out of the fourth. It's it, I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, what are the other states we're looking at here? Let's see here. As far as important ones that'll be upcoming, uh, New York, Illinois will both be really important states to watch. Uh, Texas, Florida, Ohio, um, Carolinas, yeah. Georgia, Michigan. All of those will be very crucial. Have you seen any of the proposed maps out of Texas? Are there proposed maps out of Texas? Mm, I don't think so yet, no. I, I know the Cook political report had, like, a projected map. Um, but I don't know if that had, like, actually come from anybody or if that was just one that they made up. I think I think they're just guessing. Mm. Just, you know, based on, okay, this would make sense for Republicans to do that would, uh, you know, kind of okay. do the things that we've been talking about, you know, like, in order to, you know, prevent a dummy mander, you know, a few years down the line. Okay. I mean, I think we can count on, given the voting bill they passed earlier, given the other bill that we're going to be talking about in a few minutes, they will do the very worst thing they can get away with. Right. Yeah, I, I think the key, though, is that they want to be able to get away with it. <laughs> they've, uh, they've currently got Austin split something like four ways uh, in order to dilute that. Uh, and the problem is what counts as Austin is, is kind of expanding out as the suburbs turn more blue. And that's, uh, that's really cutting into their margins in all those districts that they've, they've sliced out of there. So they're going to gonna have to do something about that. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing around Dallas-Fort Worth, although they can, they can fix that just by rejiggering the lines a little bit. But, but Austin is, is already cut up so much, and they're going to have to fix that. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess since we're in Texas, we'll uh, we'll stay there to talk about this. The uh, the Supreme Court decided 
Well, first to not do anything about the uh, right. the new Texas abortion bill, which bans uh, abortions after six weeks and creates uh, state infrastructure for people to, uh, you know, go snitching on their neighbors who got abortions uh, in order to get a $10,000 reward through a, a civil action, creates a private right of action over this. Uh, mm-hmm. Which... I feel is a terrible precedent in a bill. We don't generally turn Americans into a police state against other Americans. Um, 9-11 propaganda about staying vigilant notwithstanding. Uh, you generally don't get rewarded for snitching people out to the government. Uh, it's a slippery slope there, man. I don't like it. I mean, there's a yeah. lot about this bill I don't <laughs> yeah. like. Let's be clear. It's just, just the headline topic. Of the bill, you don't want is to pretty terrible. Just a Stasi, yeah, Ocean Stasi. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, um, well, and the particularly despicable thing about it is they did that in order to delay any successful lawsuit against it. Exactly, the Supreme so Court kind of bit. They, they absolutely but went for it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of what the justice, all, all the dissenters said, is that you, 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 you idiots in the majority, you totally bought this lame gambit so uh what i was speaking on more specifically um and it's very clear true they bought this lame gambit but in the the supreme court voted five to four robert siding with the three liberals in the minority voted five to four that they weren't going to take this appeal yet they left the door open to later appeals in fact they specifically said the enforcement mechanism is novel, and they're not sure if it's constitutional, but they're willing to let Texas try. Basically, see if there's any issues that arise from this. There will be later suits. Uh, I don't think they're very successful. But yeah, it was enough for the people on the court who wanted to go along with it to find a reason to go along with it. That, hey, let's give it a shot. And, uh, It's, it feels like a slippery slope towards fascism, towards creating like a police state where, you know, you're supposed to enforce your fellow citizens, you know, social credit store or whatever. It It's, mm, it is not a good feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it also bodes ill for the fact that the court has a case directly challenging Roe v. Wade coming up on its docket this year. So. Right, that's the Mississippi case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, it's the kind of what is disturbing and the implications for that is... It was such a dumb and lame motivated reasoning that they had to do in the first place in order to not take up the case and buy the buy the argument from Texas to not take up this case that it's basically they're taking any kind of argument that they possibly can in order to make activist decisions and strike down abortion. And so, yeah, you can basically expect more 
when this other case comes up in the fall. So, yeah, here we go. Strap in. And if either of these cases passes muster, you know, DeSantis is already saying, let's see what we can pass in Florida. Other okay. southern states are already talking about what they can pass. I mean, buckle up, man. We're about to get yeah. some scary, scary news, I think. Um, I do not at all feel good or secure about what the court's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really bad news. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any silver lining in this. I mean, there's... I think you might see some popular anger against the court, against what Republicans do, but Honestly, that's probably going to be pretty swamped by just the general political trends and thermostasis that you see in an election year where you have a Democratic president, frankly. So who knows how much actual blowback they're really going to get for this kind of thing. I think they're probably going to get away with it. So we'll see. But yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I mean, the argument would be that maybe it, um, you know, once abortion is effectively banned in all of these red states, the Republican activists won't be so activated, but the Democratic activists will still be upset. But thanks to our federal system, the Democratic activists are disproportionately in states where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, they're all in, they're, they're staying the hell away from there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Texas has been kind of trending purple, but I mean, if you were a young professional and you had an option to live in Texas or say, you know, live in California or New York or, you know, some other place that you didn't have to risk your body in that manner, I think you'd probably take the other option. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's you know you might see some of those trends arrested pretty quickly. So, I yeah, that's yeah, I do think about that a lot, specifically with Georgia and Atlanta trending in such a, a, a uniquely like urban progressive sort of way. Mm-hmm. That creates like another regional power center to attract those types of jobs. If North Carolina ever becomes more blue, I could see the same thing for for certain professions and the the research triangle there. Um, I I do think Texas is at risk of losing its like regional leadership. Uh, yeah. Ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because Texas is you know it, it's a power player, and especially in the South. Um, and in, in red state politics and whatnot. And if you can create a, a different, a pole on the axis away from Texas, it, it does draw some of the things that had made Texas be put in a position where it was a leader. It, it takes that away. You get those sorts of, of knowledge jobs, blue collar professions, the, the ones that have tax money. <laughs> Let's, Let's put it like that to two other states. Mm-hmm. You guys want to go local now? Sure. We uh, 
We had the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer out uh, in forest over in the coup, uh, across the Columbia and Vancouver. They took up the case of, I guess, a high school freshman who uh, said that their PTSD made mass symptom panic attacks. Um, Vancouver schools were enforcing the state mandate on masks in schools. Uh, the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer attempted to gain access to three different schools, a high school, a middle school, and an elementary school. I don't know why they picked one of each, but they did, uh, which at one point caused the school to go on lockdown. Um, these guys are getting... Mm, I'm, I'm kind of scared that we have like a paramilitary. Yeah, a really active one that's, mm -hmm. you know, in the region. Yeah, they were just here in Portland, like, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, starting up some shit. Mm. I, one dude fired on some people, like, with an actual gun. Not even the paintball guns they usually bring. Mm -hmm. It's, uh... It's kind of scary. I mean... I know Hitler and Nazi analogies are overplayed and shit, but it, it feels a little like the brown shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, less in terms of like something that's going to, you know, take over the government, but certainly something in terms of that can just generally make life hell for, you know, people in an area. Absolutely. Uh, and it well, wasn't and also that gives well I, I was just gonna say that gives um actors with bad intent in the government a little bit of cover mm -hmm. so Absolutely. Trump gets to say hey I just gave a speech to the crowd I didn't know the crowd planned to storm the Capitol building that's a really good point Chris about plausible deniability Do you have problems with these sorts of groups up there? We have, like, little inklings of that. There's the case we've talked about before about the the guy with the unlicensed firing range. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's some activists who are up in arms. There was one guy who um, basically harassed a prominent female black state legislator here to the point where she just resigned and decided not to run again. That's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, a little bit farther up the way in Washington, Dan, you had a bit of news out of Olympia where they were, they were getting all excited. Yeah. Yeah. They had a, uh, another March this time, you know, not targeting schools, but, uh, this was a, just a March for medical freedom. And, uh, like how these things usually go, they uh, looks like they got into a fight with uh, some local uh, Antifa, and uh, yeah, just how it usually goes. You know, they I guess the big story out of that was that uh, one of the leaders uh, ended up shooting himself in the foot. So, <sighs> just Not great. metaphorically, but actually, yeah, literally, and of course they blame tried to blame it on Antifa, but, you know, they're the ones with the guns. <laughs> so, unbelievable. You know, just 
<sighs> Just great. Um, and then I guess, uh, for one last local story, we've got, uh, there's a bit of news in Oregon's governor's race, which is going to be open as of the next election. Uh, Kate Brown will not be eligible to, uh, to run again. And Chris, you had pointed out that what had been a whisper around town for quite a while is starting to become more official as columnist Nicholas Kristoff is looking to become Oregon's next governor. I yeah. don't think that will go well for him. <laughs> no? I'm not a judge of local politics there, so I wasn't sure what the... <laughs> uh, it's it's just kind of a theme that columnists uh, tend not to make good leaders. You had a, a similar thing happen up in... Uh, up in Canada, Canada, where Michael Ignatieff, mm -hmm. uh, who had been a Washington Post columnist and a uh, tenured, I believe it was Harvard professor on politics, decided to schlup back to, uh, to Canada to become the leader of the Liberal Party and proceeded to get them absolutely blown out to the point where they became the third largest party in Parliament um, before running back to America and <laughs> leaving everybody to pick up the pieces again. Uh, that's kind of what I associate these sorts of, like, people who leave their homeland to go do, you know, columns in, in the big capital far away and then come back. It, it never really seems to go well. Yeah, I thinking about it just generically, I thought, like, um, you know, here's somebody who definitely knows a lot about policy, but has absolutely no experience making it and also by the way the policy he knows a lot about is almost all international relations so mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm not sure how well it translates to running a department of transportation for a state and worrying about state taxes and all the things you do as a governor yeah we even we kind of see that in microcosm where uh, i i really thought that i'm getting a little bit of echo through somebody uh, I really thought that Ted Wheeler was going to be a, excuse me, a pretty good mayor because he had experience running state level government, and it turns out that he's actually just terrible. <laughs> just, just absolutely terrible at it. Uh, when you get people outside of their area of expertise, I, I think it's it's kind of hard to pull. And yeah, I, I do think this is a case of just a little bit of ego thinking he can do things better. Um, I don't expect him to win the primary, but we'll see. I don't even know who his opponents will be. I just, I don't see that happening. On that note, Dan, you're pretty plugged into the politics of the region. Who do you think the Democrats have on the bench that would be, uh... uh in Oregon? Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, uh, what, is the uh, House Speaker running, uh, Tina Kodak? I don't believe she is at this point. Yeah, I would... She might have a good shot then. Uh, I was going to say, that's Secretary of State, is she up possibly running as well? Um, I doubt it. She's pretty new. Uh, we had had a Republican Secretary of State for forever. He had a brain aneurysm. His aide finished out his term. Uh, and then this is a first-term Secretary of State we've got right now. Then I'd say probably, yeah, my money would be more likely on Kodak then. 
I uh, I don't think he's interesting, but I are interested. But I actually think Ron Wyden uh, would be a good choice if he wanted to get wow. out of Washington. He he's probably the most popular like politician in the state. I think. Sure. Um. I don't know how that would play out, but I think he'd make an easy candidate that the whole party could get around. Uh, and I'm not overly worried about our Senate seat. Uh, yeah. If he wants to raise his profile, it's easier to do that from the governor's mansion, I think. But who knows? Yeah. I, I know there was hints of him wanting to run for president last time to the point where he, he teased it for months and then decided against it, but... Uh, and Merkley, yeah. Oh, Merkley, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking Wyden. Uh, damn it, I like Wyden. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Wyden's probably not running for president. My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. He's. I'd love to see him in the governor's mansion, old. though. I really would, and would open mm -hmm. up a spot in the Senate for somebody younger, somebody more uh, dynamic, maybe. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think that's going to do. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Oh, hey. Whoa. Let me rewind. Uh, as of three days ago, Tina Kotek has announced her governor. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think the nominee is going to be her. Kristoff can try all he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, he's famous, but... <sighs> You know, he's not really as plugged in, you know, locally anymore. So, yeah, I think. Oh, well, we'll see. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us. You guys have a All good right. week. You too. I guess. All right.